0: Our first sermon passage today is from 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, but gives grace to the humble. Our second sermon passage today is from Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it.
1: So now, our Father and our God, our prayer this morning is that you would speak by the power of your Spirit to your people. Our prayer this morning is that you would help us all to see Jesus, And believe to see Jesus and commit our lives to his way and to his word. I pray this morning that you would help all of us to see that your church is a gift whereby together we follow you in the world. And I pray, Father, you would help all of us to see that you have given leaders to your church. For the good of your name, and for the good of your people, and for the good of the world. Particularly today, Father, we pray for the group of believers known as Redeemer Church. We pray that you would bless us. We pray that you would keep us from the evil one. We pray that you would continue to lavish your grace and your mercy upon us. We pray that you would cause us to be faithful to your word and faithful to you. And we pray that you would use us to bear much fruit in your world. But I pray over this room this morning that none of us would get lost in the conversation but that we would see your wisdom and your care for your people at work as we consider the working of the local church. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. If you haven't already, please take a Bible and turn, well, to both of those passages that Ashlyn just read. 1 Peter chapter 5 and Titus chapter 1. Maybe this would be a good day to put, you know, a finger in two places. And if you listen to sermons on your smartphone... I'm not sure how you're going to figure that out. That'll be up to you. And I'm just going to admit right out of the gate, um, this sermon is nervous for me, and a little has me nervous and is a little uncomfortable. Uh, our normal way of preaching is just to work through a book of a Bible. What does it say? What does it mean? How do we believe it? Let's go. And today's sermon is a bit different. And so if you are our guest today... Um, we're very glad that you're here and this is going to kind of be a, a, a freestanding one-off sermon addressing the life of our church and, and, and something the Lord is leading us to. And so I'm just going to admit my uncomfort- being uncomfortable up here and we'll see if the Lord might overcome all of that and let us hear his word. And so um, here's what we believe that drives us to these passages today. We believe that leadership matters. It certainly matters in the world at large, but we also believe, based on these two passages and many others that we could point to, that leadership in the local church matters. Um, In the local church, in the New Testament, we see that there are two offices of leadership, the elder and the deacon. Uh, The elder leads the church in the word, in discipleship, in prayer, and in direction. And the deacon leads the church in service and tangible ministry. And so particularly today, we want to talk about the office of elder in the local church at large and the office of elder at Redeemer Church in particular. And here's what we believe that the Bible tells us. Godly elders glorify God and bless the church. What these scriptures tell us is that godly elders glorify God and bless the church. And so to put that in the simplest terms that I can, what these passages are going to tell us is that godly leaders focused on the word and prayer and shepherding the souls of men and leading the church to follow after Jesus, that glorifies God and it's good for us together. And it's good for me and it's good for you. Excuse me, I just hit the microphone. And that's what we want to walk away today believing. So you might ask the question, well then Jamie, why are you doing this right now? And it's because of a timely need in our congregation. Our congregation needs more leaders in general. We need more elders, we need more deacons, we need more community group leaders, we need more Bible study leaders, we need more Sunday school teachers, we need more people who can open the Bible and disciple others, and we believe the first step toward that is a bigger, stronger, more equipped team of elders to lead us in all those other patterns of leadership that we need to have. So you've never heard me talk about numbers from the pulpit, and Lord willing, you never will again. But I just want to make the case as to why right now we need more leaders. I guess I could just say, look around. But if this is your first Sunday, that might not be a telling move for you. So we last appointed elders in 2017. We began the search in January of 2017. In January of 17, um, Redeemer had 87 members. Today we have 149. In January of 2017, an average of 147 people a week joined gathered for worship at Redeemer Church. Today the average is 246. Since January of 2017, 17 people have been baptized here at Redeemer. And so if every person represents a soul created in the image of God for the purpose of knowing God and glorifying God, then we see leadership of said people as a stewardship. It's how we steward the blessings that God is bringing our way. So today at Redeemer... We are preaching about leadership because we are seeking new leadership. And what I want to do today is answer these two questions. What does the Bible say about elders in the local church? And how do we look for elders in the local church? So we're going to focus on the Bible. Now, you may be having your brain filled with logistical questions like when and how and how do I participate in the process. And for all of you logistical people out there, you will receive an email before noon tomorrow that will answer all of the logistical stuff. I'm not going to take sermon time to dive deeply into that today. But we want to focus on the, the biblical question of what does the Bible say about elders in the church and how do we look For elders, because we believe godly elders glorify God and bless the church. That's the main takeaway from these two passages today. So, if you want to take notes, first point, leadership matters. And in particular, eldership matters. This is not a... um, Choose your own adventure. Each church gets to decide what's best for it because we have the freedom to do so. This is an issue of clarity in the Bible. And so I want to to point you to the beginning of both of the passages which Ashlyn read for us. Let's look at at 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Peter writes... So I exhort the elders among you. Now, notice what Peter's doing here. He's assuming that the church has elders in the plural. Peter is assuming that the church to whom he is writing has elders. That is, shepherds of souls in the word and prayer and direction, plural, in the local church. So you might say, well, pastor... That's an argument from silence. You're reading way too much into that passage. I don't think that that is what was implied by Peter. And I would say I think you're wrong, but rather than us arguing about it, let's look at the other passage, which is Titus. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. I'm never preaching from two passages again in the same sermon because now I have to sit up here and turn in my Bible as well. But look at Titus chapter 1. Now, remember, Redeemer folks, we just finished 2 Timothy as the book. 2 Timothy was Paul, the apostle and planter of churches, writing to Timothy, the pastor of church, how to pastor church. Guess what Titus is? Titus is Paul, the apostle and planter of churches, writing not to Timothy, but to Titus, who is also a pastor of churches, about how to pastor churches, okay? Now notice what he says Titus chapter 1, verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order. So, why did Timothy leave Titus in Crete? To, in the churches, put in order what remains. So there were some things left to be put in order. And appoint elders, plural, in every town as I directed you. So minimally speaking, what Paul is saying is that things are not in order until there are elders giving this pastoral shepherding leadership within the church. That's the argument that's being made here. And so what I want to say to us this morning right out of the gate, is that eldership matters in the church. It matters for the glory of God, it matters for the good of people, and it matters for me and for you. And most of the time when church leaders like me stand up and start talking about it's time to select new leaders, most of your eyes glaze over and you go, that's like the old school baptist church meeting stuff that I just don't care about. And I don't want to let you walk out of here today thinking that. I want you to walk out of here today thinking the leaders of the church are a gift from God if they're doing their ministry well. And it matters to me and to my brothers and sisters that said ministry is done well. So much so that I will engage the process. I will pray, I will think, and I will care. And I will not say things like it doesn't matter or I'm new around here or my voice doesn't really matter anyway. But I will say it matters because what's at stake is how much God is glorified through this church and how you and I and we together are ministered to in this church. It matters. Why does it matter? It matters because Jesus gave leaders to his church. Whose church is this? Whose church is this? It's not mine. It's not yours. It's not ours. It's Jesus's. And think how often you refer to churches by the name of the pastor. That's so-and-so's church. It's effective to do that, right. But it misses the point. The church belongs to Jesus. The church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus, the chief shepherd that's what First Peter chapter five, verse four tells us, The chief shepherd is Jesus. But he is given to each flock under shepherds to work on his behalf to carry out a word-shaped gospel leadership for the good of his people. That's what we're being told in these passages. So let me just cut through something for a minute. If you're here today and you're like, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're kind of exploring the faith. And you're like, man, I got out of bed this morning to get a lecture on church leadership, and I don't even know if God's real. First of all, I'm glad you're here. And second, I want you to hear this. Having a church is not what's important. Having Jesus is what's important. But those whom Jesus saves, he gathers into groups of people known as churches. And together, we work off our edges And we follow after him, and we seek to build his kingdom, and we seek to bear much fruit. And what these passages are telling us is Jesus, the chief shepherd, has given each one of his churches a group of under-shepherds to help seek Jesus together. So let's not get things out of order. If you don't have Jesus, you don't need a church. But the church is the carrier of the gospel whereby you meet Jesus and we want you to meet Christ and as you meet Christ we want you to come together with us as we follow him and what the bible's saying is we need godly leaders to help us carry on so what do these elders do what do these elders do cuz you know we are a church affiliated with the southern baptist convention and our southern baptist brethren are just really confused on this issue so let's see if we can clarify some of our southern baptist brethren anyway Forget I said that. Let's come back. Is this going on the internet? Don't share with your friends. So what do these elders do? These passages tell us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Number one, these elders shepherd the flock. They shepherd the flock. It's a command. Shepherd the flock that is... among among you. What do shepherds do? They tend to sheep. They keep sheep out of trouble. They protect sheep from enemies. They nurture them and they help them. That's what shepherds do. And so what Paul Peter is saying to the elders is be busy shepherding the flock. Elders shepherd the flock. Second, elders exercise oversight. Shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight. So elders exercise oversight. And um, this one is hard for us Americans, right? Like who here hates being told what to do? Anybody? Anybody? What this passage says is we need spiritual oversight. To say this is what God has said, And this is what God would call us to. Let's follow Him. So these spiritual leaders exercise oversight. Number three. These leaders don't do it according to what they would want, but according to what God would want. He says, shepherd the flock, exercising oversight as God would have you. Whose church is it? It belongs to Jesus. Who decides what's good and right and best for the church? Jesus does. Elders point people to Jesus and say, let's follow Him together. Elders say, this is what God would want for His church because it's revealed in His Word, let's do it together. I'm totally going to run out of time because I'm totally freelancing at this point and we might be here till two or three. Is that okay? If it starts raining, we'll just keep going. Okay. But when we were in church planting school, don't go to church planting school, okay? But I was there. Bill Seaver was there. Stephen, were you in any of that? Thank the Lord for you, okay? Um, a couple other families. We were in church planting school and this is what they stood up in front of a whiteboard and they said. They said, you need to figure out Your unique vision for the church that you're going to plant. You should be furrowing your brow like Nathan is. You should be frustrated to hear that. I don't get to decide what Jesus' church needs. Jesus does. The leadership that we need is what God tells us we need. Elders work under the authority of the word of God to glorify God. The reason these things are over my shoulder and not something more creative or more hip or more funky is because those are in the Bible. Jesus spoke it. Let's go do it. So we shepherd, we exercise oversight as God would have us, and central to all of it, number four, is the Word of God. Central to all of it is the Word of God. So look at Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Again, Paul now, speaking of the elders, says he must, now listen for the word, he must hold firm to the word, to the trustworthy word as taught. That means the word's unchanging. It's been taught to us. That he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who, con- who contradict it. So what's central to this godly eldership is a life shaped By the word. Elders know the word. Elders teach the word. Elders defend the word. And elders exhort from the word. The word is central to the work of elders. So what Paul is saying. Is every church needs. Godly men. Serving as elders. To shepherd the flock to oversee the flock, to lead the flock to God through God's word. That's what we are looking for. And so, as we conclude this first point, I I want you to walk away and say, godly leadership in the church matters for the church. I want you to walk away and say, godly leadership in the church matters for the church. Godly leadership in the church matters for me. And I I fear that we can go wrong in one of two directions. We can go wrong by making too little of leadership. We can go wrong by saying, I know Christ, I have the word, I have the spirit, I don't need leadership. And that sounds really good until you open the Bible. And so this past, these passages shout, we need godly leaders in our church gatherings. But we can also go wrong by making too much of leadership. By pushing the voice of the church up to a pedestal where he is the focus and not Jesus. We can make too much of leadership by making leadership development the goal instead of knowing Christ The goal. Everything about the church is exalting Jesus, the shepherd. And leadership and elders are just a means to the end of people knowing Christ. But leadership certainly matters. So then you might ask the question, Pastor, how do we find these leaders? How do we find these leaders? Second point, if you're taking notes. Character matters. Character matters. If you haven't recently, please don't do it now, like that would just be insulting to everyone around you. Google church scandal 2019. By the way, it's February the 17th. We are not that far into 2019. But Google church scandal 2019, not to gloat, not to celebrate, but to have your heart broken and to say, this is what happens when skill and personality are elevated above character in the local church. When we read about elders, there is a skill set included, able to lead from the word. And we will not undermine that skill set, but the skill set does not trump character. Persona and personality and the ability to draw a crowd does not trump character. And by character I mean a life committed to God's way of salvation through Christ and God's word In all things. The leaders of the church must first be men who know Christ and their lives are being changed by Christ. So much so that they bear the fruit of walking with Christ. That's why in this passage, let's look at them. Stay in Titus chapter 1 beginning in verse what does he first say about the elders that Titus is looking for above reproach husband of one wife his children know the gospel not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination above reproach not arrogant not quick tempered not a drunkard not violent Not greedy for gain, hospitable, lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. It sounds to me like Paul is really concerned that the elders that Titus would appoint would have Christ-like character. Can you grant that to me? Then flip over to Timothy. It says not only should they have Christ-like character, but their Christ-like character should shape how they lead. I said Timothy, didn't I? I meant 1 Peter 5. That's why I'm not doing this whole multi-passage thing again. 1 Peter 5, 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now listen carefully. Not under compulsion. What is that? That's character applied to leadership. That's leading from Christ-like character, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. What is that? That's character applied to godly leadership. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. What is that? That's character applied to Christ-like leadership. And so what I'm saying is when we're searching for elders, when we're searching for leaders, and if you're not a part of this church and you're exploring church, when you're looking for a church, look for Christ's likeness first. Because God is eager to bless godliness far more than he's ready to bless skill or persona. That's why Timothy, I mean excuse me, Peter ends his thing by saying... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So let us be a church filled with godly, Christ-like leaders who glorify God and walk in humility because God blesses godliness. And we have to believe that above all else. I'm not saying that skill doesn't matter. I'm not saying that being nice to people doesn't matter. I'm not saying that some modicum of persona doesn't matter. I mean, like, you all probably wish I would smile more and not be so hard. My wife does too. It's not changing. But I love Jesus. Thank you. I heard that over there. But let's prioritize character and devotion to Jesus over skill and persona. I was told um, by one of my elders that maybe I overplayed my hand, but I said in the first service that I would take a group of elders with their tongues cut out but their lives committed to Jesus before I would a group of elders who could speak if their lives weren't committed to Jesus. I think I still stand by that, but I don't want to overplay my hand too much, okay? Because we got to be able to communicate the word, and unless we're going to do it through sign language, we might need our tongues, okay? But let's get the point That character matters. And that leads to the final point. Calling matters. Calling matters. I'm really afraid to use this word calling because we as Southern evangelical people just don't understand calling at all. It's some kind of mystical, I went on a mountaintop and came away with a feeling. Did I? Did God call me? Or did I have too many jalapenos last night? Like, like how do I know the difference? Because that's not what calling is. Calling is the intersection of character, desire, and skill set. And where there is Christ-like character, a desire to serve the church of Jesus in a particular way, and God has given the skill to lead in that particular way, there is calling. And if I just broke down your testimony, we'll talk later, okay? But calling is, the the basic biblical model of calling for us is not the Apostle Paul on the road to Emmaus where Jesus visually appeared to him and blinded him and saved him and called him to be an apostle. That was unique for Paul the Apostle. A better vision of calling for us is God saves us, God gives us Christ-like character, God gives us a desire, desire comes from God, to sacrifice all to serve his church, and God gives us the skill that can be cultivated to teach his word, proclaim his gospel, make disciples, and point other people to him. And so what I'm saying is it could be that today God has not called you to be an elder in this church or any other church, but in five years, he might very well be calling you to do that. And so calling is the intersection of character, desire, and skill set. And that skill set looks like, hold on, I'm going to take these in turn. Character, we've talked about that. And so if there is not Christ-like character, then I would submit to you, that God is not calling this person to be an elder in His church. Where there is not a desire to serve the church, it is very likely that God is not calling said person to serve the church in this way. Somewhere in there, we evangelicals were taught to believe that if you desire it, it can't be from God. Right? Like like, like, like like all of our stories are like, I was running this way, I wasn't pursuing it, but then God opened my eyes to it. And so since he opened my eyes to it, I must have to go this way. Maybe, maybe not. But first Timothy chapter one, verse three says, he who desires the office of elder desires a good thing. And so Paul is saying that it, is biblical to desire to lead the church of God. If your motives are pure in that it is to glorify Jesus and exalt His gospel and make His word known, then that desire is not something that you need to be afraid of. Embrace it. Talk about it, and I'll help you figure out how to cultivate it. I'll get off my hobby horse. Character, desire, desire and skill set. Those whom God calls, God equips. We can cultivate a skill set to know the Word, share the Word, defend the Word, and be an example to the flock. So what, you are, what we are looking for are more men to join our elder team based upon their character, their calling, their desire, and their skill set. And in particular, we are looking for men who know the word of God. Who are able and do share the word of God. Who are able and do defend the word of God. And who live as an example to the flock. And this phrase, example to the flock, is not something that I'm making up. We're told... In these passages, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, being examples to the flock. An example of what? An example of faith, an example of knowing Christ, an example of devotion, an example of following after Jesus, and able to help. And so at Redeemer, several months ago, we introduced five commitments of a church member here at Redeemer. Those five commitments are a commitment to personal discipleship, a commitment to mutual discipleship, a commitment to service and ministry, a commitment to a missional lifestyle, and a commitment to using our finances for the building of God's kingdom. And so when we're looking for elders, we're looking for men who are exemplary in personal discipleship, mutual discipleship, service and ministry, missional lifestyle, and financial contribution. So at this time, Redeemer is looking for and praying for and seeking after new elders to lead our congregation as we seek to glorify God as a growing church in this We do not want to lose our way. We do not want to lose our commitment to Jesus. We do not want to lose our commitment to the Word. We do not want to lose our commitment to holiness. We do not want to lose our commitment to missions. We do not want to lose our commitment to bearing fruit in this community. We want to be faithful. And the Bible says, Godly leaders help the church be faithful. And that's what we're seeking after. So here's what I'm asking you. Number one, will you walk out of here today believing that God is seeking to build His church through building godly leaders? And will you pray that God will provide godly leaders for this church? I want you to pray earnestly that it will happen. Second, will you pray For the current elders that we do have to be faithful in their work and in their ministry. Their names are Stephen Carlson, Scott Hall, Jackie King, Bill Seaver, and Jamie Mosley. Would you pray that our current elders would be faithful to the calling that God has put before us. Third. Would you participate in the process? Your opinion and thoughts and prayers matter. There are a couple places in this process where each member of Redeemer gets to participate and we are reaching out to you and calling upon you to participate. Check your email in the morning. And fourth, if you're a man, can I have your eyes for a minute? What? If, and women, you're going to be allowed to say amen when I get done with this, okay? What if every man in the sphere of influence of this church bowed your head right now and said, God, make me a man who knows Jesus, whose life is characterized by Christ-like character, who desires to sacrifice everything to build your church in some way and who desires to know your word in such a way that we can speak it and share it with others first of all ladies how many of you would feel blessed by that vision come on I guess never mind they were all nodding their heads okay what impact could this church make on the world if that was true? Because I believe when you get the man, you get the family. Men, can I give you a little secret? Most of your wives are sitting around begging God to stir your heart toward Him. God, would you please make my husband take a step? Something of Christ like leadership. What if, man? What if? Let's dream a little bit, and then let's pray accordingly. I believe crazy, overwhelming things could happen here. We don't celebrate baptism numbers because we get to put them on a a placard, but we celebrate baptism numbers because that's people committing their life to Jesus. What if we got to put a zero at the end of that? What if we got to turn 17 into 170? It's possible. It's possible. Uh, Ladies, I love you. I care for you. I care for your souls. I care for you to flourish. But much of this type of stuff requires the men to rise up. So men, let's rise up by God's grace, for his glory, believing that crazy good things could happen. I believe it. I'm praying for it. Will you join me in that?